What do you mean it's going to be in range in 30 minutes? The Force is back. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast, hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, and Steven B. Danley. Share a half smirk with Sky and Steve as they work their way through Han Solo in his trench coat and by Harrison Ford in his ennui. We talk about the figure from his head mold to his signature coat and from Singapore to Mexico. Aaron Longbine joins to talk about focusing on Trenchy, and Todd Chamberlain teaches us about the enigmatic, elusive John Marco, the first replica prop maker and the first cosplay dealer. All this and some more on Kivecast 114. Wampa Wampa. Welcome to Kivecast 114, right? One, yeah, 114. We had a discussion earlier in the week. We didn't know exactly when it was, but I believe it's 114. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. And, and Steve... We talk, you know, we're in the Return of the Jedi era, and we're sort of through a lot of the good characters. <laughs> and so now we are getting to one of the main characters from the entire series, Steve. That's, that's right, yeah. Ha- Han Solo in a trench coat. That's right, yeah. I think it might be the, our last, like, main character for quite some time. <laughs> and, so. and I'm just going to say, Steve... Yeah, this is it. I think this is my least favorite Star Wars figure. I had a feeling it might be. I had a feeling. There's, there's, a, yeah. There's a lot of things that, that make sense about that. <laughs> but at the same time, one of my favorite Star Wars items is a Han Solo trench coat figure. Hmm. Because okay. I managed to get a two pack with Chewbacca and oh, Endor Han. That's right. Yes. Yeah. That... So, so I bought that like maybe a decade ago. And it was funny because I got it from a guy named Frank at Final Frontier Toys. And oh, if yeah. it seems like I am name-dropping old names from the hobby, that's on purpose, Steve. We're going to be doing this for the next <laughs> year. We're going to be focusing on sort of liminal figures in the collecting hobby. Like people not as famous as Brian Semling or Tom Derby or Steve Sansweet, but people who are very important. So we're going to be talking about John Marco today. That's right. Very yeah. much not to John Marco, which I will talk in a second. <laughs> um, and, and eventually soon we're also going to be maybe not this episode but next episode talking to the actual basement bounty hunters you know we're, we're going to really we're really going to take, take some tip, trips through the past yes but Frank he was famous for having a really good store like a physical store and an online store but always yes, asking right. outrageous prices that's right yeah and so it was $500, which for a two-pack at the time was absolutely yeah. outrageous. <laughs> but when I saw it, I immediately loved it. And, and that's... So that is one of my favorite items, Steve. What, what do you feel about Han Trench? I, so it is interesting, you know, there weren't any Han Solo figures in the first wave of Jedi figures. So I, I thought about that. I'm like, I wonder if that's kind of similar to the, the Ewoks and, and Jabba thing, where they just kind of like, well, we don't really... We didn't get a good head start on this. We don't really know what's going on with Han Solo or Harrison Ford and Jedi or why. I don't know why exactly they, they held Han out of that first wave. But I guess that was the only thing that made sense just from a storytelling standpoint. But I think. Wait, wait. So so Leia, Poncho and Luke Poncho are 65 backs. No, no, no. So, well, yeah, Luke Jedi was a 65 back. Leia in the Bounty Hunter Bausch disguise is 65. Right. But then Poncho Leia is, is 77. Now we're in Han Trenchcoat 77. So they're okay. in that second wave. So it could which... be just sort of more of an Endor-focused wave. Yeah, that makes sense, too. But, um, but I like but... the idea, Steve, how, 
just so you know, all of our thoughts about the movies and the figure and everything's all going to be mixed up today. Um, just yeah. because I think that the figure, it's so hard to divide Harrison Ford, Han Solo, and Han Solo trench coat. It, it is. I, I think Absolutely. what we're going to end up doing is putting all of the feelings we have about Harrison Ford in the movie Return of the Jedi onto the Han trench coat figure. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. Like I, for me, they they're intimately tied together, but, and they always will be. Like that figure has always been tied to Harrison Ford's kind of apathy <laughs> in Return of the Jedi. They're they're not. They're just uh, they're one and the same to me. So so let's really get to it, Steve. Yeah. When when was it decided that Han was not going to die? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Getting right into the the, the behind the. Are the we going to go behind here. the Steve? Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll get to the it. figure later. But let's get right okay. to behind the Steve. Let's let's keep this okay. organic, Steve. All right. Let's go behind the scenes. Let's go with Dan and Steve. Let's go behind the Steve. I like that. Um, okay. So, you know, by the time Jedi was coming around, you know, Harrison Ford is is a huge movie star star right so and he doesn't we know that he doesn't like to suffer fools lightly so this is kind of a preamble to the, the whole when does han solo you know, when do they decide he lives but this is this will kind of make sense i hope okay. so uh, as the movie's kind of getting underway the producer howard kazanjian had written this private note to sid gannis who was the head of felicity at, at lucasfilm i think um and it read quote this letter is a reminder, in addition to our previous conversations about the need to communicate, placate, involve, etc., Harrison Ford in all publicity <laughs> efforts early enough as to not upset his artistic behavior. <laughs> if wow. we don't, all of our jobs will be more difficult, especially mine. <laughs> wow. I love that so much. Um, and that, that to me... Wait, wait, say those words favorite. again, placate. Uh, okay, let's see, what is it? Uh, placate, involve, or no, communicate, placate, involve, etc., <laughs> That's great. That yeah. etc. You know is like, okay, make sure you cut the crust off his little tiny sandwiches in his trailer. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, that that kind of leads into you know, it seems like if if he's going to be involved, he's going to be involved. And so when it came to the, the costume specifically that we're talking about for this character, uh, he was the one that, that suggested the the trench coat or, or the duster. Um, he just no said, I, I think I like that idea. And so uh, I think it was Nilo Rodas Jamero. He just did a quick little sketch of one, and they're like, "Yep, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go with that." And so that's where it, it was. It came from Ford to, to have the jacket. Um, so that was which, part of placating, etc. I think so. I think so. Yeah, totally. Um. <laughs> well, it kind of reminds me. I don't know if you ever watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but yes. there's there's a duster jacket, and whenever the characters wear the duster jacket, they act differently. Like they act like super cocky, and like that's right. <laughs> so. <laughs> Can we stop for a second and talk about this? What? What's with the jacket? I was gonna wait on that. Uh, oh, I think we should go with the jacket now. Sure about it now. Well, first of all, it's not a jacket, it's a duster. It's like a jacket, only it's longer, thicker, and far more badass. I look like Lorenzo Lamas, and women find it irresistible. Well, that part's just simply not true. It's kind of you know, Harrison Ford sort of inner douche being like, yeah. yeah, I think I need a trench coat. You know, Steve, I, I, I used to wear like a, a duster. Did you know that? <laughs> no. Oh, man. No, this yeah. Is, yeah, this is really. Was, this is, so when I was in my early 20s, I went through what can only be described as a cowboy phase. Right. Okay. So, I've heard about the cowboy phase. Yeah, now this, this is, is what led up. So okay. like the, there was no overlap between the cowboy phase and the Star Wars phase. So when I was in the cowboy phase, like I literally bought a Stetson Gun Club hat. 
<laughs> I literally went to a store in Marseille, France, which is called Marlboro Country, and bought a leather overcoat. Oh, man. Uh, fortunately, uh, my wife made me throw that away just recently. It was the most expensive piece of clothing recently. I've still only I've ever worn. I loved the thing. It was awesome. Uh, and I would, like, walk around with a cowboy hat, and it's so embarrassing. And I had a, I had a pickup truck, Steve. I had a Ford F-150 oh, Lightning, Steve. Went oh, zero yeah. to 60 in, like, under six seconds. And mind you, this is a, a pickup truck. I was in some kind of crisis of masculinity, just all in myself. <laughs> Right there. So whenever I start talking about this whole, oh, I'm a feminist, oh, neckbeard stuff, just remember, this guy over here had such a Christ, and I smoked, of course. I smoked cigarettes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I had a cowboy hat yeah. and, and a leather overcoat and a pickup truck. <laughs> so, oh, you know, maybe amazing. I'm starting to relate to to, uh, to old Han Trench already. Here. Yeah. I, I, like always, I think you will kind of come around. I, I did definitely by the end of like looking into this episode, but that, okay. See what I like about this. <laughs> I, I do get little pieces of your life in every episode that yes. you record. And it, over the stretch of it, I'm, it's quite a, a quilt that's, you know, forming here. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Okay. So, so Harrison suggests the duster that immediately says, yep, that we're going to, we're going to do that. Um, and then to get to the whole thing about him wanting to, to die that was the kind of main thing i wanted to get to with this is that you know there's this it's always talked about how harrison was lobbying george lucas to kill han solo and that george just wasn't going to do it um and there's a couple of good quotes from from him that i thought i'd, I'd pull here um, one is uh, he's got no mama he's got no papa he's got no future he has no story responsibilities at this point so let's just allow him to commit self-sacrifice um, and then this night this is like a progression I'm getting more and more desperate. So just okay. this next one is, I desperately want to die. I thought it would give, the, <laughs> I thought it would give the myth some body, and that Han Solo, in fact, really has no place to go. He would have been best served by he, he would have best served the situation by giving it the weight of sacrifice. But that was one thing I was unable to convince George of. George has a predisposition to happy endings. There's less enthusiasm on my part because my my idea didn't pan out. And then the last one is. Uh, and we may have even brought this up at some point, maybe talking about episode seven or, or whatever, but he says, uh, quote, there was no future in dead Han toys. <laughs> and uh, that, that to me, that might be the episode title right there. <laughs> yeah, no future in dead Han toys. Yeah. But, uh, well, the, the funny thing is that, I mean, George Lucas, that's not why he did it. Like, it's actually about the monomyth. It's the same reason that, like, because, you know, like, I actually, I give this example whenever I, I talk to my students about, like, classical theater, you know, like, you have to ensure the continuation of society. So right, you have right. to have, you have to end any thing that's not a tragedy with a couple that is going to make babies and continue on the family <laughs> line. Like, that's the point. Like, right, you have right. to have the hero who sacrifices himself so that the bourgeoisie can make babies pay taxes and and build buildings right yeah so han and leia were always that luke was mm -hmm. the one who might get sacrificed he's right. the one who maybe should have died right just right. the same way harry potter could have died as right. long as ron and Ginny were going to make a baby you know like <laughs> right. as as right. long as we can know that society will keep going so han just didn't understand his own character yes that's i think that's what we're getting at and and also i think i'm pretty sure there was some you know at least at least partial discussion of maybe having luke 
die like yeah like you're saying and then that that just it just didn't work out that way but um to me yeah with the way you put it it might have made more sense in terms of exactly this that, that luke would have been the one that that uh didn't live on um but so then yeah. han himself acknowledges his in i mean ford ford acknowledges right. his own inability his his lot his bad performance in return of the jedi <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's 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 all there. Um, and... There's there's multiple things about Return of the Jedi that have blown my mind over the years. The first one was that not everybody loves Ewoks. That really surprised me. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Har- and Harrison then, Ford included. <laughs> and then the second one was that Harrison Ford did a bad job acting, and it was like a thing of like like you know you have a tag on the back of your shirt, and then someone mentions it, and then you feel it for the rest of the day. I never noticed it, and then I started paying attention, and it's all I can see now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's and it's, it's just, just the it's the half smirk that he has the entire time. Yes, it's the yeah. way he delivers lines. Yes, it's yeah. even his body movement. It's even the iconic like doing the cool thing with his hands and like you know saying hey whatever. Like even right. that feels like that was probably the first take, and he wasn't <laughs> going to do it again. And and Marquand better be happy with what he got. Yeah, and this this reminds me of another of kind of funny quote or incident that that speaks exactly to this i guess they were out in the woods shooting one day and he he kind of tripped or fell or something and <laughs> and it, he apparently you know it kind of mockingly in anguish to george lucas you know was pleading you know what about my dignity george and i can just see him saying it with this <laughs> his coat and like in that same smirk that he has on screen and, and he says uh, people want fairy tales in their lives, and I'm lucky enough to provide them. This is no, there's no difference between making this kind of film and playing King Lear. The actor's job is to, is exactly the same: dress up and pretend. So I think like that, wow. that really, really sums it up. I think uh, his whole his whole take on on this movie and and the character at this point, he was pretty pretty checked out. <laughs> Just one last thing that that ties it back to the to the toys here a little bit, but I, I had. I knew that you know they'd made a Power of the Force coin for Han Trenchcoat, and I'd never read the text of it until just the other Ooh, day. Good. And least, uh, well, this might be the only time we talk about the coin, so it might, it good. might, yeah. So it, they made Han Trench and Power of the Force. I didn't even know yes. that, Steve. <laughs> they did. It's actually it's a really nice card. It's a good coin. He's got some nice uh, redwood trees behind him with his his giant face there. But uh, one thing that's kind of funny this for the the text here is that I guess. This is one of those era coins where a few of them were, were put out as Hans Solo, so with the oh, yes. S there. But uh, the, the text reads, quote, Daredevil pilot of the Millennium Falcon, technically not a member of the Rebel Alliance, Han lends support when most needed. <laughs> and wow. when I read this, all I could think of is like, quote, technically not a member of the cast that was signed for the third movie, <laughs> Harrison only lends his support when most needed. So exactly. That, yeah, it, it just, uh, it all lined up. Um, and it, it somehow it makes me appreciate it even more I, when you <laughs> when you look at the the kind of context of everything and and I don't know like say what you want about the, the sequels and all that but I think that what they did with Han to me at least it I'd say it, it gave it the the weight that he was looking for I, I, I to me I think it's probably the best part of, of those movies but um, I mean I think Force Awakens is is Harrison Ford's like best acting. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I guess I mean whatever. I I really I really did love Witness as a kid, but that was probably oh, because of <laughs> Kelly McGillis. I'm just right, I don't right. want to be a sexist creep, but Kelly McGillis was fine in that movie. Uh, but but like he was so good in Episode yeah. Seven and Episode Nine, and he really gave yeah. it his all. And 
And I know that people like to make fun, you know, we're making fun of Harrison Ford, but I also think it's yeah. too cheap just to go, oh, you could act too if you were given $30 million. No. no. I mean, it, you, he cared. He, uh, he does care. <laughs> he acted in seven and nine as though he knew it mattered. And he right. acted in six as though he's really pissed that George didn't kill him. So at <laughs> least give me my little trench coat. <laughs> right. Give me my duster and I, I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll come up, I'll show up at the set every day. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, too, the, the, there's elements that show that even Kenner, I don't think, cared that much. <laughs> so let, yeah. let me tell you how I know this. Okay. If you look at the card back of yes. Han Solo, right? Right. What do you notice about it? Well, I mean, Harrison doesn't look all that, <laughs> you know, excited. He doesn't look all that excited, but look at his yeah. hair. Yeah. His hair oh, is this it's, super bright it's mess. Glistening. Yeah. Now, yeah. as I say in the episode, almost every episode, I do have the, the card art for Chewbacca, the original yeah. photo art. Right. And, you know, they worked like hell to tamper it down. Because if you look at the yeah. original image, it just it just beams off it. And, like, that's right. the main airbrushing that they did on that figure. Yeah. Here it feels like they're just like, eh, whatever. His head's all shiny, little popcorn head. Whatever. We'll just kind of black out <laughs> this other thing. And yeah. red? Like, yeah. Red is the worst possible color that would go with that kind of brown color there. Yes. Like, yeah, I was, yellow I was would have popped. What you, you would have thought on that. would have popped. Or green mm -hmm. would have popped. But mm -hmm. red just looks absolutely terrible. And yeah. I guess we can talk about the figure later. But as far yeah. as the, the card back goes, I think it's a definite failure in, in Kenner's uh, yeah. in Kenner's art. But <laughs> do, you, do you have any inspired you know poetry based on this this Return of the Jedi apathy or, or anything else? As a, as a matter of fact, I do. I was going to okay. do my own segue, which okay. is going to be <laughs> about the card back eventually at the next archive party oh. on May 26th, 2022. Oh, Oh, that's less than a year from now. That's right, well, or almost year, two days. Just about a year or two. Days. Okay. I, I believe uh, that is the. I believe that is the Thursday, Steve. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. You. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> Whatever it is, the 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 Thursday of celebration, we'll be having our archive party, and you will be able to bid on a Skyku painting of this terrible card back with <laughs> my poem about Han Trench. Okay. Now this is the thing. This is the first Sky Coup that is R-rated. Oh, all right. So all right. I might, on the card back, replace one of the words with the word Ford. I'm not sure. So. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> half smile, half smirk. Been dead since the Bespin gas. Han, don't give a Ford. <laughs> so you yeah. see, I, I really wanted to emphasize that you know that that he already was dead. Yeah. You know? Like he yeah. really is dead. It, it's true. Because he I mean, doesn't it, give a Ford, Steve. He just yeah, he doesn't give doesn't a Ford. Give a Ford. <laughs> No, and, and yeah, like like you were saying, and I, I think we'll, I'm, I know we'll circle back to this in however many years when we get to the Han Carbonite figure, but yeah, like that, it's, that was another, you know, is Han dead or is that, is he just, are they going to bring him back for one day and unfreeze him at the end just so he doesn't have to sign a, a contract for the, right. a full movie? Um, but yeah, that, uh, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> uh. 
Wow. So, I mean, I think we actually did pretty well, Steve. We're not, we're not dumping on him too much. No, I don't, I, I don't think too much. Um, the, the other problem is that I have my general issue with soft goods anyway. Yes, which yes. Which, in editing the Klaatu Skiff episode was funny because it was basically just a series of people talking about how much the soft goods they love with the regular Klaatu. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Is it even a trench coat? Is that a trench coat? Or is that a camouflage coat? What makes a trench coat? I, I guess not, the, the length? Yeah. Is that I, it? I, I don't know. Does it go back to like World it, War One? Really. Why do they call them trench coats, Steve? Uh, that's coat. a good guess. I would, I would okay. guess that. Yeah. Okay. A trench coat is a variety made of waterproof, heavy-duty, cotton, gabardine, drill, leather, or poplin. Mm. So that's not waterproof. Mm. It generally has a removable insulated lining. No. no. Raglan sleeves. And the classic versions come in various lengths, just above the ankles to above the knee. Mm. It was originally an item for army officers during the First World War, hence there its name. There you go. Yeah. Makes so it's sense. not really a trench coat because it's not waterproof. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be pretty, you know, pretty wet and <laughs> on the Endor moon, a lot, of, a lot of moisture there. Before we move on and talk to someone else, Steve, let's talk about the figure. What do you have to say about this figure and its stupid <laughs> soft well, good and stupid hand head that's too big? Yeah, so yeah, it all starts with, with the head. What I thought we could do is just highlight a couple of, of uh, figure development stuff that, that is out there for, for Han Trenchcoat. Um, the first one is is the silicone mold for his head. Um, so this, this surfaced a couple of years ago, uh, and that fine, I think we've, we referenced a few times over the last, I don't know, year or so. Um, so this is the, the mold that was cast off the original wax sculpting for the head. Um, and then that would have been used to then create the hard copy head. So uh, this, I, I found this, this was, I think, in Ross Barr's collection at one point. I think he had sold it. This was, a, I think, a for sale post, actually. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> for what? Uh, oh, $21,500. And I think it sold. Um, don't it, know. It says sold. And if you, <laughs> if you read sold. the comments, he says, he says at one point, $3,000 price drop. Okay. And, and, that's and, where I, it ends. and I thought like, wow, $3,000. That really is inexpensive for what that is. I was like, oh no, it's three thousand dollars down from twenty four thousand. Yeah. Oh man. Um, well, yeah. That that aside. Um, yeah. So this, you can see actually a little bit of that green residue from the Dynacast that would probably have been made or used to make the heads, the hard copy heads. But this, this starts the whole thing with they just never got Han's head right with Kenner. No, they they didn't. just never didn't. It, it, it was just always wrong, and for whatever reason. I feel like they started, you know, I guess maybe the Han Bespin is probably the closest to, to normal, but they obviously they made his head bigger once with the first Han, and then they just are doubling down on just giving him a giant head here as, as the Return yeah. of the Jedi figures go on. So this this uh, this is just a, the, the earliest remnant of that giant head that the Han trench coat has. Um one yeah. of my favorite things about these silicone molds, because I have a couple of modern silicone molds for Chewbacca, right. is when you take a picture of them, your mind will play tricks on you, and you can see them as convex or concave. And it turns it into a sort of 3D photo. So I really invite you to look at this picture of... It's very nice, too, because it has all these sort of lines around it. It's almost like a, it's almost like an interesting painting. Yeah. And you can look at it, and you sort of see the head poking out as opposed right. to it's... the head poking in. Exactly. It's like those uh, the uh, 
those moving heads on the haunted mansion you know that's yes. <laughs> that reminds me of i if i'm moving my head at my laptop right now i feel like han's eyes are following me around the room <laughs> Well, it's funny. I, I was going to suggest that we call Yehuda to talk about this because he was, mm -hmm. I believe, part of the the find of this. Yeah. Um, but I decided that ah, we haven't we haven't had like a real conversation with Yehuda in a while, so I, I'd like to sort of have that sometime because he yeah. should be on the. Sh I mean, he was on the show too much there for a little while, but I feel like it's been too long. It has. Um, yeah. But it's an interesting thing here because it's a mold that made a hard copy, so it's not the mold that made the figure, and it's not the mold. That, you know, it's it's a it's a weird sort of like proto prototype for a prototype. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we should totally circle back with you here because I know there were quite a few. I, I bet I think there were some of these later characters too in this in this find. So we could even you know when we get to another one of those, maybe bring him in. Um, so yeah, we, we start with this you know absurdly large head, <laughs> and then you know I figured you know with. I would just go all in on the soft goods because you, you love oh, them gosh. so much. Um, so, you know, you have to make this coat, right? So that I think the first step was uh, getting the cut of it right so they don't have the pattern on any of these. There's some of these early, just kind of simple brown colored. They look a lot like the Big Fortuna coat or cape thing, but um, in terms of the color, it's slightly different material. But some of these figures have shown up with these early coats that don't have the pattern yet. Um, so there's a couple examples of that, and then when you get the pattern nailed down, now, now can uh, I just, can I just say yeah. I I think that it looks better just in brown. I, I kind of do too, and then you know that that kind of links back to the original sketch that they did for the but, character. This actually um, looks like my like my trench coat, my Marlboro Country this, trench this coat. Is the, this is Sky in what it <laughs> is. Yeah. Euro, Euro trash slash cowboy Sky. What was going on? I remember my friend Ted saw me, and he was just like, <laughs> I, like he was still my friend, but he very much did not know what to do with me. <laughs> uh, so you just need to find a little Playmobil cowboy hat and see if this fits on there, and then you just, there you go, it's, it's yeah. got... <laughs> and and it, at least as of January 2019, it was in Brock's collection. It was, so yeah, I, I'm seeing it. I'm sure it's still, still there. Yeah, because he's, I mean, he's all in on, on the Jedi prototypes, so um, I think we got another related item here that's also from Brock's collection. Um, so yeah, they, they get the, the cut of the coat right, and then they get the pattern figured out. Um, so there's a couple of uh, quality control samples of just the coat. Uh, there's one on the archive that, um, this, is, this will kind of bring up a, I like this because it just shows the process a bit, but it's, it's just the coat stapled to an index card. Um, item name is the 84 Han outfit. Uh, this is from March of 84. And on the comments down below, it says brush side outward on collar per fax from uh, looks like a November 1983. And this ties into, a, I guess, a variation of this figure. You can find that some of the coats, the collar is actually just blank. It doesn't have the design. And then some right. do have the camo, which sounds like that's what they wanted it to have. But for whatever reason, because these are all being made, you know, all over the place, um, they weren't, you know, always consistent with that. But this is kind of a note saying, actually, the right way is to have a camo all the way around. Um, well, yeah. okay, so so that's one of the variations is right. having the collar not be camouflaged. Yeah, and that and that was a, a mistake. Um, and so, actually, in this item, we can see we see the development of that fixing. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's I mean, that's pretty cool. That's pretty. Yeah, that's a pretty meaningful item. 
yeah, I, that's that's what I liked about it. And then uh, the next one, it's it's kind of similar, but this is one this is one is just in a bag that it looks like. This one it looks like maybe they don't have the right the camo on the collar, and this is from Brock's collection. This is just in a bag, and it has the generic labeled. I think we talked about a Nikto piece that was similar to this, where it's just handwritten on a sticker trench coat. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think at this point they were probably going back and forth saying, "Is this right?" <laughs> like, nope, that's not it. Go back. Um, but uh, okay, so yeah, there we go. We got the the color of the coat. We got the, the shape of it done. Um, and then I thought that would kind of lead to a nugget. Tis a nugget from the archive. Tis a nugget. <laughs> wow. Oh, God. <laughs> from the You're keeping archive. us on track here. This is I'm good. trying, yeah. I'm trying. All right, so we're already on to a nugget. <laughs> oh, no, my maybe, God, maybe Steve. I just opened paper. it up. Oh, this thing is oh, it's terrible. I knew you would hate it. I knew it. <laughs> um, so, and this this will I, I I actually feel really good about how I tied all this together for once. Usually, I'm just kind of scatterbrained, don't know what I'm talking about. But um, for this, so what this is, it's a, a carded sample uh, Han trench coat. So it's it's got one of those prototype non you know just straight brown coats. Well, and that's it's got cool. Bigger... So it's not. So this is kind of like the Bib Fortuna with the pink thing, like just sort yeah. of a different model. Right. Exactly. Like maybe so, it's just for the cut. It's not for the color. Right. Right. This and the, and I think with this specifically, um, and this will come back later too, is that this was just trying to figure out the right size for the bubble. So they they took an Emperor's Royal Guard card back, which they I think they were just trying to figure out. Well, is this about the right size um, bubble and and figure plate for the Han trench coat figure? So for this one, um, and it doesn't, we don't have a really good picture of this on here, but according to the description, the top of the bubble has two little circles where the figure's actually making contact with it. So they're, it's their way of saying, ah, nope, needs to be a little bit bigger because he's, he's making, he's touching the inside of the package. They want to give it a little bit of space. Um, so this is really just, I think, really just to get the packaging size right. It doesn't have anything to do with the aesthetics of, like, the the color or the, the name or anything like that. It's just more of like a get the packaging size right which i thought was wow. pretty cool yeah i don't think we've ever seen that on this show something I don't think that so. is just for the packaging like yeah just just for the bubble figuring that out that's right. interesting that that's from it's on the archive from a collector i've never even heard of hans yeah park? i had the same the same thought i don't know <laughs> hans park he's also uh maybe it just made me think of the hans solo car <laughs> uh coin error uh, i think that's a i think that's a i think that's like a, a fake name yeah pseudonym <laughs> yeah um so yeah it's a quick quick nugget but i thought it kind of brought all those those things together um and that and i think when we, when we get past uh the marco discussion we'll, we'll circle back to this but just note that han trench is a very tall tall figure taller than the other hans so okay keep that, keep that in mind <laughs> All right, so then if we're talking about Han trench coat, the thing that makes the trench coat so interesting, right? I mean, we've seen three examples here of how it's interesting. The non-camo yeah. coat, the two different baggy versions where they talk about whether or not it's going to have the camo on the collar. Uh, and then we have this version to try to see if this tall guy can fit on there. Right. It, it's, a, it's a costume piece. That's really the difference. The thing that yes. makes Han Solo different is this costume piece. And so we are going to talk about the original, the original, Star I mean, Wars costumer. Yeah, definitely like the the preeminent one of of those days. Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna go 
all the way back. And I'm, I'm not going to say anything more than this was an anonymous tip Yes. to look in to John Marco. Had you ever heard of John Marco, Steve? I had not heard that name, but having seen some of the things we're going to talk about, some of the, the material looked familiar to me. So I, it's something I know very much you know, nothing about. Um, so I think we, we hopefully have, I know we have the right person on to talk about it. So. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to have Todd Chamberlain on there, uh, who will do his best. I don't think he's the world expert on <laughs> John Marco. I can tell you... Um, I contacted John Marco to see if he'd be interested. He's still on right, eBay. Right, He's right. still making yes. things. Yeah. And his response was absurdly curt. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't even rude. It was just it, it, like, you know how people can answer and just make you feel kind of dumb? <laughs> uh, so you know what I'll do? I, I'm going to share that correspondence when we get Todd on the phone. All right. Okay. Let's get Todd on Sounds the phone. Sounds good. All right. Okay, Steve. So we're now here with Todd Chamberlain of Toy Chamber Toys, uh, and and he's here to talk to us about John Marco. Now we've already talked on the show, Todd, that you are not the world expert, but the world expert on John Marco is anonymous. So you're going to have to do your best. Now, when is the first time you ever heard of John Marco? I would say sometime in the 1992, 93 era, I bought a large collection of toys from somebody that had been a, an early collector. And in that collection were a couple of, of the Marco catalogs. And it was pretty, I mean, it was the first time I'd really had any exposure to prop replica items like that being offered for sale. And I mean, they were, they were outdated at the time that I found them, but I guess one of the things that struck out, I'm looking at right now at a catalog from 1985 and, you know, as a point of reference, I mean, here's a Luke laser blaster for $150. And wow. You hmm. know, so, so this, and, this, this yeah. has been the throwing the audience into the deep end, still not knowing who John Marco is. I, I wanted to hear what the first item was you were going to say, because if you told me that you were going to be talking about John Marco, I'd be like, Awesome, John Polo. I'd have no idea. <laughs> so, so we are talking about the first prop replica maker, as well as one of the first Star Wars costume makers. Is is that right, Todd? That is uh, that is correct, and I would say, based on kind of my own experience and and having backtracked and talked to other collectors and read online, uh, like do the um, prop replica forums that I'd say pr pretty universally John Marco is, is the person that gets referenced as oh yeah that's the first person that I ever bought prop replicas from and that you know maybe some people were making some, some things on their own doing their own kind of mini modifications but in terms of someone that was actually had a commercial enterprise of making prop replicas and doing mail order and selling them on a large scale that um, yeah, he was the first. And so, how how far back it, does he go? Do we know? Like, when did he start doing this? So, looking at, I've got a catalog from 1985, and he's and in there. He references starting in 1977. Wow! Wow! Again, and I guess to clarify that 
Marco was not John Marco was not just making Star Wars props. He was he's very well known within the Star Trek uh, community and made stuff for Battlestar Galactica and I mean I, I, he made some pretty obscure uh, movie things. I'm trying to make some of the things I I can't think of right now that are referenced as like things you wouldn't think of today as even being you know. Um, he made things for V, the visitor from the, the miniseries. Oh, yeah. Um, so he, he was well, he, he was pretty well known across multiple hobbies and was a pretty much a regular at like the Creation Con. Uh, creation, for people who aren't familiar, that Creation Con, uh, can, they promoted conventions, mostly Star Trek conventions in the. 80s and 90s and I think they're still around in some uh, form today but they also they ran the 10th anniversary Star Wars convention in 87. Right. Wow. right. So the 1987 convention the very famous. You weren't at that were you Todd? I was not no. Um, but John Marco was. Wow. <laughs> he was and and that's is kind of one of the interesting in my mind facets of, of sort of his history in the hobby is that uh, I mean, it seems clear that all along there was kind of a recognition that this was a um, there was some copyrights, trademark uh, licensing uh, issues, and that might come into play. But he set up and sell, sold props. I mean, I've seen references to people having bought props, prop replicas from him at the 10th anniversary convention. Wow. Um, but eventually. I mean, and, and so he continued to operate. I mean, he's still selling at some capacity now, but is having to. Uh, he's toned it down in subtle ways. I guess I'm not exactly sure how all uh, that. Uh, he has definitely he got a cease and desist, and. Well, but before we get to that, like, what what was his quality like? So. For $150, he's selling a Luke Blaster. Is this like a Luke Blaster that, that you would hold and say, wow, this is great? Or is it, like, what? how, how would you describe that? Uh, I mean, I would say for the most part, these are fairly high-quality items. I mean, they're, they're maybe not, um, they're, they're probably, comp they're, they're comparable in many ways to what, to, to like the kind of techniques that are, an actual movie prop would have been made. I mean, they're either cast from resin or in some cases, I think that um, like for some of the Mauser blasters, like he would find like a, he would find a toy Mauser that was mass produced, but then he would do all the, the same customizations or at least his, his version of the customizations that you would see in the movies. Um, but that he was casting parts and, um, trying to add a lot of detail and, you know, at a time when there wasn't the same kind of photo reference that there is now. And so right, right. in many cases, he's kind of extrapolating from his own viewings of the movies, but without necessarily behind the scenes ILM shots that a lot of people have uh, accumulated now. And so uh, I hear a lot of great praise actually for his, he, he made soft goods items. I mean, so he made like a Luke poncho, a Leia poncho uh, from, from Endor, um, and made full-on cloth outfits for uh, Star Trek that people 
So yeah, they were super high quality. Um, I had seen uh, a write up of somebody who ordered a Boba Fett costume uh, from them and said, you know, I, yeah, there were a few things that weren't like the, it wasn't real happy with the Chewbacca hair or the, or the, the, the uh, Wookiee uh, scalp, but that, you know, most of the pieces were pretty, pretty good and had not actually seen other anyone else making better things. But, uh, and my impression is too, that also that he's not, he was not necessarily that he had sort of his own set of suppliers, like small scale prop makers that were supplying him with things. And so there was kind of a variance in, in what the quality might be. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at some of these pictures that, that you provided and that anonymous provided, uh, I mean the level, like Steve, have you seen this? Have you seen the fact that there are people cosplaying as George Dusa and Kia Mall <laughs> in 1987? Yeah. It just blew my mind when I saw that that catalog ad. Um, it, that's just <laughs> I never would have thought I would see that such a thing. Because um, we we I mean. I knew that people would wear Starfleet uniforms and would dress up as Klingons or whatever. And I, I yeah. knew that, you know, that people would, would get a Don Post mask and, and sort of throw things together to be a sort of budget Vader. Right, right. But to be an adult in 1987 dressed as Kia Mall, like, <laughs> that is all sorts of improbable, right? Yeah, it is. Have you ever seen a Kia Mall outfit ever? No, not have you I, I mean, Todd, you've been around a lot longer than us. Have you ever seen someone dressed up as Kia Mall? Boy, I I do almost feel like there was a Kia Mall at one of the celebrations, but okay. again, it was, you know, if it, if there was, it was within the last say ten or twelve years, and it was, and it basically, even then, kind of came across as, wow, here's somebody doing something really obscure. I mean, if you've yeah. seen any, that, I'm sure that I've seen someone do. Some of the more obscure droids characters but if you if you saw them the reaction even now would be wow someone's really going out there and grabbing something crazy and to sort of think that you know droids was not <laughs> super well you know just was not a uh, most people weren't tuning in for that uh, back <laughs> the time. And so uh, yeah so I'm, I'm looking at this at this catalog so this droids is the front of this one Right, that that's the front of this catalog from 1987. I think so. Right, yeah. And so it says Marco Ent, science fiction weaponry and accessories pertaining to the Star Wars saga. This catalog makes all previous catalogs obsolete. <laughs> Price two dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's a line that's used on on everyone that I think that was shared with us. The previous is. Yeah, all are obsolete. So, well, why why was that? What does that that mean that everything else is obsolete? Well, I think it's just the you know, especially from a price perspective, that he's uh, he's he, he wants to be able to have flexibility to change his prices between uh, eras, and that there are some things that, that he simply stopped making either because they were. Uh, couldn't uh, found that they were too complex to make, or found they were too expensive to make for the price that, that it was costing him to do them. And so, um, I mean, there's a, that really incredible picture of a, bo a Chewbacca Wookiee bowcaster that I'd never seen a picture of that piece before. Um, 
and wow so that was the actual the, one that you could buy for what two hundred dollars how much did that cost i think i think that one was only a hundred yeah that's it's just wild but again a hundred dollars like pre-1985 i mean yeah so, yeah you know from a i mean to me i guess one of the things that this illustrates is uh the the kind of distinction between collecting priorities versus fan priorities and mm-hmm. I, I guess i've always been a little bit of both but i've never been you know, my priorities have always been on collecting things that are kind of interesting to me visually or historically um but it was never a priority to me to like to own a bunch of proper book items that looked like things from the from the movie just because I wanted things from the movie. Like I had a hand, you know, I had a Kenner laser blaster and that was good enough. Uh, right. And so but that the amount to go out and spend $150 for a Luke blaster when at, at a time where again, 1985, I mean, I'm still, I'm buying action figures for a dollar a piece. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, on, on clothes at that time, you know, so there's just no, I mean, I've, and I'm not even having that much money to spend on, on those kinds of things. So it just was not, it would not have been in my, even in 92, $150 would have bought me, you know, several 12 packs. And right. So, yeah. It's just always going to be my, well, and I guess the idea that, okay, some, this, is someone, this is a piece that someone is making, so there's going to be more like someone is going to Mark Enterprise is going to continue to be making more of these things right but I but they're not going to be more of the action figures whereas I mean to some I have not personally gotten into collecting the the Marco props but if I came across them in a collection I would definitely keep them because I I, from the perspective that they do represent kind of a a specific time frame and even though they're they're probably still hundreds of most of these things out there that they are interesting for what they represent. Um, yeah. Well, if we just look at, um, so I'm looking at one of the one of the pictures here of all the lightsabers. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, these were $150 each, and what's amazing is the level of specificity. You know, Luke, New Hope, Luke, Empire, Luke, Return, Darth Vader, Meet Your Destiny. You know, just like like the 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 very specificness of it. And yeah, yeah I I mean I don't I don't cosplay either, but this seems as though it just it just goes into a different realm where it's yeah. now a collectible yeah i as some of the copy on, on on these catalogs too just it just kills me um <clears throat> I, one of the early ones i think it says something like uh they will not fire live laser bolts but they look like they will anyone can own one without a permit <laughs> and uh laser effect performance is not the same as in the saga and uh, it's just uh, these little uh, <laughs> there's so many of that like sprinkled throughout these catalogs that just cracks me up but um yeah now, now we we were sent along with the the anonymous helper did send along some notes so yeah. i'm i'm not gonna i mean the only person who i'd like to read word for word is ron ari ron ron salvatore um, but still, this is pretty interesting. Apparently, yeah. little is known about John Marco himself. He is originally a muffler salesman who transitioned into replica prop making. So this is a thing, Steve, you don't know because you're older than Todd and I. 
There used to be a thing on TV where there was a lot of muffler commercials. Like I remember some muffler commercials. I remember yeah. watching TV thinking that being an adult was just buying mufflers every day. Because there's like, you got Mako and you got the other one. Am I wrong, Todd? Wasn't that like a big thing? I would say, yeah, there was a lot of muffler ads back in the day. Yeah. Um, so I guess, is but, there... Well, I'd we... say, it, and my impression is that actually, from things that I've read, he may have actually owned a muffler business. I mean, that, mm-hmm. and so, I guess, but whatever, it, he was definitely in, worked in some kind of an industry where there were, was metal fabrication involved. Yeah, so it was even raw, raw materials the were, were there for, for him to, <laughs> to, to turn into lightsabers. <laughs> okay, and then uh, apparently 1982 is the earliest catalog that anyone has ever found. So if you know of a Marco catalog that goes before 1982, please email us at stevenbdanley at, I don't know, <laughs> com. Uh, so, okay, so then he would put ads in the back of Starlog magazine. And he's still making catalogs now. I mean, I just, I saw a catalog from 2017 saying, you know, saying, uh, remembering Carrie Fisher, which is just, mind-blowing that someone could be doing this for so long and yeah. to be this relatively anonymous and yeah, yeah. i mailed away for a catalog from him off in, the, in, the, in 2015 and it's and it's when to me there's all, like you were saying with the catalog there's a lot of whimsy to things i mean so he's got stamps on here that you know, imperial headquarters classified documents and he's got darth <laughs> vader stamp on here it's contents darth death star plans and then another one <laughs> I've got another one that says Rebel Alliance Headquarters Classified Documents. It also says Death Star Plans. Almost all of them say Death Star Plans. <laughs> <laughs> so whether you're, whether you're from Rebel Forces or Imperial Forces, you're getting Death Star Plans. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because there is, so there's this, we need to get to the sort of 600-pound uh, elephant in the room. So there is this humorous side to a lot of what you're saying. There's a lot of cool details, like in the, inside the, the, the view, like the, I don't know, the, oh, the right. sites, there's little images from the movies. So you're right, actually looking targets, at somebody right. as targets. Like that's really yeah. cool. And, and, and like, like Todd was saying, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of sort of cute, cutesy stuff in here. Like if you read the copy, uh, it's, I mean, I don't think that he has someone writing for him. So here's just a little bit, uh, this evil-looking TIE fighter pilot helmet will have you banging heads with X-Wings in the Death Star Trench again, right? Just, like, (laughs) fun writing, fun stuff. Uh, He has this great one from 92. Fifteen years ago, in a galaxy far, far away, stormtroopers rock and roll the desert planet for info loaded in a little droid. The first thunder and lightning of Operation (laughs) Desert Stormtrooper. So, I guess that's really tying it to the early '90s. This aggression yeah. will not stand, yes. man. Uh, but then we have the actual person. So, uh, have you had any any dealings with John uh, Todd? Um, I bought actually just some. So, in addition to selling his prop replicas, he sold Star Wars products. And if you look in some of these older catalogs, he's selling posters and he's selling Kenner action figures. And like there's this 1985 catalog, you could have bought a sealed Star Wars Falcon for $40. Mm. Um, And starting, I'd say, yeah, about 
seven or eight years ago, maybe, he started selling on eBay, but in a very kind of careful, there was, it was not the prop replica stuff. I mean, you basically, you would, you could order a catalog, you know, these are, he's not selling, he's selling laser swords and and it's, uh, so he knew, he knew that there were people, you know, (laughs) monitoring for things. And so he wouldn't directly sell the prop replicas on eBay, but he would sell, like, he would reference the fact that his catalog were available and maybe you could buy a laser sword kind of thing um which is so weird but so, so when when do you, when did he get the cease and desist letter do we know that uh my impression is sometime around episode one okay because it's not like it's not like people making stormtrooper armor have to pay a license right like don't troopers in the 501st can't you just make and sell stormtrooper armor with with no trouble well, but that's—I would say my understanding, and I don't even know what the current climate is, but I think that historically there's been this idea that, sure, you can make stormtrooper armor, but you can't sell stormtrooper armor. I see. And right. So, yeah. For yourself. So, like, it, if you're like a, a hobbyist who happens right. who happens to have access to uh, the tooling to, you know, make up a stormtrooper outfit, that's fine. But if you're going to be selling other people a finished stormtrooper costume or the parts to make a costume, you can't do that. Um, now, of course, those, those kinds of things are happening, have been happening all along. And, um, that my impression is that there's definitely some kind of a nexus between 501st and um, and, and Marco costumes. Although, what the, again? Whether yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of a uh, maybe a contentious <laughs> uh, some contention between you know, where where did the where did the, the tooling for the stormtrooper costumes originated? Like, did he actually develop it, or did someone else give those things to uh, to him, and then he um, kind of ran with it on his own? But anyway. You, your question was, did I ever do any heavy dealings with them? The only things I ever bought from them were, <laughs> I, I bought some factors posters from them. That's, I, that uh, sounds exactly right. It sounds like Todd. That's the most Todd response ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so so the, uh, the reason I say this, and I teased this beforehand, I contacted yeah. him because, you know, I was told this is basically the first ever costumer and first ever prop maker and he deserves his credit and this is what we should do so I sent him these messages that was just like effusive with like I really want to give you credit and let you know how great it is and have you on there and talk about your time and the first message he goes hi Sky no hi sorry Sky I am not a very good speaker for your program thank you for your consideration Mr. Marco so I was like (laughs) Okay, so I kind of like responded back like, well, we're still going to do something anyway, and maybe you could just type something up if you don't want to talk and share a little bit of your history, like how did you get started? Hi, thank you for your kind offer. I can't think of anything I have to reply slash discuss about science fiction prop making. Mr. Marco, reply not required. (laughs) (laughs) So this is how I read this. 
my prediction is that this guy is awesome, that he's a, that he's totally fun and totally cool, but he's been so burnt and he's so afraid of being public at all that like, I mean, he basically wrote the message to me as though he doesn't speak English. It's like, you know, the copy that he writes is very fluent. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, I do not discuss science fiction, prop making. You know, he never mentioned Star Wars. He never, just, I make science fiction props. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, response not required. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that's well, what I would say, Digging around some of the rebel prop uh, groups, I would say that there's a recurring theme throughout there of, yeah, that he's, kind of a reclusive guy who uh, doesn't like a lot of attention. Um, but although in one of the things that actually also stood out though, is people, it was how impressively quick he was with fulfillment of orders. And that, you know, that's one of the things from, so again, just from a historical perspective, I was always nervous about mailing away for things and, you know, Hey, what about, you know, I'm going to send somebody a check or a money order and how I know I'm actually going to get something for it. And I think it says something for his longevity, the fact that he was around for so long that whatever else you might say, it seemed like he delivered on if you. If you send him money, he was going to send product and he was going to send it fast. I mean, people were talking about getting things within like a week of sending their payment to him and wow. that, that he always came through. And then another case someone saying that months after they they did an order that he realized marco realized that he'd forgotten to include some of the order the person who bought the item you know bought some costume didn't even realize they were missing the piece but somehow john marco realized that he'd left this thing out and said oh hey by the way you know i left out this little doodad that was supposed to be in there and and here it is and so you know, i think that that says something for how someone runs their business that they uh, follow up on those kinds of details so yeah it, it yeah it's it is really weird i'm looking at his at his ebay store now so like you can buy things like like a, a, a boba fett shotgun you can buy macro binoculars for 75 bucks steve mm. yeah that's pretty cool you know i kind of like those yeah. macro binoculars and then there's these other things where it's like you click on them, Sand Trooper armor set from my $5 mail order prop catalog. So you spend $5, be the best you can possibly be, be an elite Imperialist Desert Trooper, join the ranks of the proud, the Emperor wants you. That cool kind of funny copy. So right. you send them five, five bucks, and then he sends you the costume, and <laughs> then you can buy the armor. Oh, so he sends you the catalog, That that's like your way in, yes. right? Okay. <laughs> wow, that is very complicated. Yeah, it, it's a uh, yeah, a blending of of old school and maybe just <laughs> staying off the radar as best he can. <laughs> General idea that we are at this kind of inflection point where there are some of the real pioneers of the hobby are, are either aren't involved or that they truly have you know are passing on. I mean, we had. John Kellerman's death recently, and you know that is that is just a chapter that is has closed. And that, from a hobby and a fandom perspective, that if if we don't capture some of these stories within the next you know five or ten years, that they're just 
that information is going to be gone. And, and some, of yeah. these, some of the questions that we're, that we're posing right now uh, will remain unanswered. I'm, I'm very interested in the joint development of the Star Trek and the Star Wars hobby. Yeah. And that there's just, there are some very distinct differences, not just in the content of the, of the, the stories of the, the two different franchises, but also that the way that people approach fandom mm-hmm. and the way they approach collecting in particular. Yeah. Um, I would say that collect star Trek collectors are a very different creature than star Wars collectors in my experience and, and mm-hmm. have been for a long time. Well, well they, I'll, I'll tell you, Todd, make, if, yeah. if you'd like a, uh, uh, an assignment here, um, I would love for you to develop this theory further because I think there's something there about the early days where Star Wars and Star Trek were, you know, the first price guide, right? It was Susan Cott's the Star Wars and Star Trek collectibles and the first right. conventions were Star Wars and Star Trek. And and I wonder if there's a time, like I figure it must have been 80, right? It must have been Empire or something where, or maybe when the Star Trek movie came out, trying to cash in on Star Wars, where where that started the the division, right? But but yeah, I would I would love to see you know you go into the the toy chamber and see what you can dig up as far as like when did that split really start to happen and what are all the things that we can have that are evidence of Star Trek and Star Star Wars living together as like this is what nerds like. In this stack of paperwork. Uh, I also have something called the Star Wars Die Hard Collector's Checklist, which is a precursor typology for uh, Kenner card packs that actually predates the Kellerman uh, wow. work. That, uh, and again, I actually this guy was from Salem, Oregon, one of the two authors, and the other one is a woman from Hesperia, California. Uh, and I definitely remember they worked on this in the late 80s, and again, independently of... Uh, of Kellerman, and I don't know um, a whole lot about about that, but I'm I'm curious to follow up on that as well. Yeah, it sounds like an early historic document there. I mean, yeah. Awesome. Well, I think we need to get on with our, our Han Trench business, but uh, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about John Marco, who I went from knowing nothing about to now being absolutely fascinated. The, the less he tells us, the more I want to know. <laughs> International Han Trench Items with Steve. Uh, Han Solo dresses in a very ugly fashion, and he looks like the kind of tourist who goes to another country and doesn't know (laughs) how to dress like he's not a tourist. Like, if you ever go to France, don't wear your Pittsburgh Steelers (laughs) T-shirt, right? Like, don't go there wearing a shirt that says... Stanley Family Reunion 2020, right? Like, just wear something neutral, nothing very specific. <laughs> Han shows up. The trench coat barely covers up his very clearly Corellian vest. He's just yes. he's just a bad tourist. But we're, yes. we'll still give him the credit of doing an international Han trench thing, Steve. Oh, my God, who cares? <laughs> I'm going to make you care. Okay, make, make me care. care. Make me care. All right. So the first thing we could highlight uh is is a pretty rare item it's a han trench coat miscard on a uh, return of the jedi meccano original han or yan solo card back um so what's weird about this is that you know at this point when they made the han 
trench, the tri logos were out and made in, in mass quantity, which we can talk about in a second. But uh, I guess maybe only a handful of these combinations have showed up over the years. Um, this one, it's in, I know, I think it's this one's graded. It has like a sealed bubble, but with some cracks on the bottom. But um, yeah, I, I think in terms of miscards uh, and Han Trench collectors, this would probably be probably the rarest thing you could find in terms of a production item. Um, so that's that's the first one. And, and notice it goes much better. Like this is it's got the green black, the, the green nameplate and backplating from the original. And then that translated into the tri logo, which went with the green. Now, uh, okay, which, but before we get off this Meccano thing, right? Okay. So the thing is this. We may have to talk to Stefan, but yeah. I don't think miscard is accurate. I, I think they just okay. didn't have a Han trench for you know Meccano card back, so they just right. put it on here. Because the other one is the Luke Jedi is very often found on the Han, so the Yon right. Solo original image. So right. I, I think they just had overstock of that card back. Uh, and, okay. and they just threw different things on there. I don't think it was like yeah. an oopsie. It's kind of like the the trial well, yeah. cloud two, cloud two skiff. Like yeah. it's sort of an oopsie, but if it only goes in one direction, right? Yeah, like you never makes... see a Han Solo on a Luke Skywalker card back. Right, right. Yeah, I guess the the one thing with I guess the Luke Jedi is an early sixty five back character, and then the the Han Trench is a later character. So that that was the one thing that seemed kind of odd to yeah. me. But but yeah, I think that your logic makes more sense in terms of not really calling this a miscard. I think it's just a, a what's on hand card. Right. And never um, forget, multiple celebrations. I tried to sell that Luke miscard on the Han, yes. on the Han Solo Americano, most famously with my sign that said "Bubble equals Ford." Um, <laughs> <laughs> forded, bubble equals forded. That I believe that was Yehuda's favorite thing that I ever did was that little sign. I forget if I ever successfully sold it. I know that I was trying to sell it for twenty bucks, and and no one would buy it. Twenty dollars for um, Meccano miscard just because it was very clearly resealed. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so there we are. We're we're in yeah. France, and we have that is that yeah. is pretty cool. You know, Han Han trench with oh, and there the lapel does not have the the right the the camo right the camo yeah. on it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then next we have the. The probably slightly you know, soon thereafter Han Trench tri logo, so it's got the Han Trench card back, and it's got the green nameplate and figure backing, which to me looks a lot better. It really um, does. Uh, and these, I think, you know, I, if I was going to be collecting this this figure on card, I might go for this one over the over the okay. the regular one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless, unless I don't know, this next one I think might might top that. Um, so the next thing we go over to Singapore, our good buddy Uncle Gundy, <laughs> Derek oh, Ho, no. a couple years ago uh, acquired. It's the Return of the Jedi seventy-seven back Han Trench, so the the original just standard carded figure, but it's got the awesome red Singapore Star Wars fan club offer sticker on the front. And this, to me, this is where it makes the red it makes it work. Yes, I think this is pretty. I now revise my position on the red. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah. if you haven't seen these, I mean, we've talked about them before. We've talked about Singapore, you know, with Derek yes. before. Yeah. Um, but still, it's great. I mean, it's it's it has you know all Star Wars members, 
will receive exclusive free gifts regularly and valuable information on all Star Wars events and promotions in Singapore. Yeah. So there's the <laughs> sticker, and I guess we never asked them what happened if you actually did sign up. Like, did you right. get? Yeah. Did you get free gifts regularly? Yeah. Yeah, but that That's, that yeah. there the red works totally perfect. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and uh, the last international piece <laughs> is the the Lily Letty from Mexico. And this goes back to something I it just it cracks me up looking at this. So if you see the carded figure, yes. Han is way too tall for the name or the, the, the figure plate on this. And I went and looked and if you do a side by side comparison with the standard Kenner, they definitely extended the red backing up towards like Han's ears to get it right. Wow. So the, the Letty uh, uh, version has a much shorter uh, figure backing. <laughs> so it's just popping off the top. So it ties back to the, the whole packaging size matter that we were talking about earlier. And uh, yeah, I just thought that was pretty funny that the <laughs> the, the Letty cards, they hadn't uh, extended the, the height for, for Han yet. And they just, they said, ah, whatever. Let's just <laughs> have his head stick out above the, <laughs> the well, backing. Um, well, <laughs> well, I don't know, Steve. I don't know if they had tall American actors in mind when they built them. <laughs> I mean that's funny, um, right? I mean that, that really is like legitimately like I, I, I don't know how do, how do we make such a tall actor? Right. Uh, and also yeah. the Spanish here, con gabardina de camuflaje. Oh yeah, <laughs> look at that. Yeah, that's gabardina. Like, oh, what is gabardina? Does that just mean I... overcoat? I think it means overcoat, right? Maybe. Yeah, I I, I definitely not come across that word before. Uh, Gabardina. Yeah. Spanish. Yeah, Never. it means trunch coat. There you go. There you that, go. Oh, because Gabardine was the name of that of that uh, fabric they were talking about. Oh. So that's huh. cool because in here they actually talk about the camouflage, whereas nowhere yeah. else do they talk about it being camouflage. No, you're, they just talk you're about right. the trunch coat. When it's really the... what makes it interesting is the camo. Yeah, yeah. And and speaking of the camo, like the the actual figure's coat for the the Letty version, it's got. I mean, I think a lot of this happens with a lot of these figures, but the material is so much more. It's much rougher, so it almost looks like a burlap. It's made out of burlap or something. But um, so yeah, the coat looks quite a bit different. It's a little bit ragged around the edges, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I like that that <laughs> it just displayed the the issues they were having with the scale of of Hot trench coat. And uh, looking at looking, I'm gonna get a little more poetic again. Because uh, looking okay. at, at this right. image, right, this is, for some reason, the American version, I don't really notice that he has his hands in his pockets. Oh, right. But that's so, like, if we compare, I think this, if we want to compare the cynicism and the optimism of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, this is sort of a funhouse version of the famous Luke Skywalker farm boy image. Yeah, he has he's got his the knee hands up. on his hips. His yeah. knees are up, and he's looking off into the distance with hope. Right. Here, right. Han Solo has his hands in his pockets, the knees up in the same way, and almost like a mockery. A sort he's of, just looking directly at you, saying, "What the? What yeah. the Ford? What the Ford is wrong with you, kid? You still, you still trying to play? You should learn carpentry and fly helicopters and marry a twenty-pound TV star, jerk. You know." Hey, six days and seven nights. I'm more than just Indiana Jones, you know. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, like th- that's totally it. Like this is absolutely the funhouse left hand path version of yeah. Luke the off in the distance yeah. to, this, to the point where I now want to get a Jedi uh, Han <laughs> Trench and a Jedi Luke and put them next to each other and see how they look. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think this so is good. it. This represents the cynicism of the whole franchise, Steve. Of the right? overmarketing, of the oversaturation, being an endor, like kind of giving up on it, not wanting to do it anymore, being sick of this thing, compared to the <laughs> young boy who's getting ready to take off an adventure and see the you, you're fun you knew like the Clone Wars against the Empire, you know? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Oh, I excellent. knew I'd get there, Steve. I knew I'd come up yeah. with a reason I like Han Trench. This yeah. is great. We got there. We got there. This is the face of Star Wars cynicism, you know? <laughs> like, like, this is sort of like when Ron gets sort of like down on Star Wars fans, you know? Like, we could just have this image pop up, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it that, that makes absolute sense. All right. We well, just need to, yeah. <laughs> enough. Yeah. I, I think we need to get uh, uh, Aaron on here. And, yes. Uh, I edited this out before, Steve. So my favorite joke about this comes from Koopy. Uh, if you don't know Koopy, he does the show Peg Warmers. He's a great collector, a good friend of the show. Call him yeah. Koopy. Um, because he came up with a joke. <laughs> Aaron, now that's a name I haven't heard in a long bind. <laughs> Which is even better than his diabolical attempt that people call Mike Ritter, Mike Critter. So you got to right. give Koopy credit to that. You know, you just got to yeah. walk up to Koopy at Celebration and say, Koopy, you funny. Yeah. That's what I want I... everybody to say, Koopy, you funny, because he's funny. <laughs> he is, he is. Yeah, and, he is. You know what, though? I, I have to ask you, do you remember, I, I think our original nickname for, for Aaron goes back to, it was one of those celebrations in um in Orlando, I think, but... I will always fondly remember Aaron as Psycho Doogie. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you want to give any context to that, but... Okay, so we'll, we'll get him on. So yeah. Aaron is a very soft-spoken, nice guy who yes. looks enough like the actor uh, Neil Patrick, Patrick Harris, Harris. Yeah. that people stop and take pictures with him. Like He looks <laughs> that much like him, right? Yeah, he and, does. But the thing is, Aaron's a nice, well-meaning guy, but sometimes he just gets so angry. It just doesn't matter what it's about. You know, like you know, people get angry, and you don't know if they're joking or if they're serious, and you kind of laugh. Well, he just and and he just gets mad about I don't know, like a waitress like bringing like taking too long, but not really that because he doesn't get like mad at, at you know at innocent people. Like he'll just get no. mad. And so it's a, I, it's a, a situational anger. So I call that psycho doogie because he just gets in this mode and it doesn't last that long. It's always no, no. Kind of, it's always kind of funny because yeah, Aaron and I used to used to room a lot together at celebration. All right, well, let's give him a call. Yeah, let's let's get him in there. Yeah. Listen, we've been talking about Han Trench for quite a while. Um, I, Great. I, I I sort of hate it, um, <laughs> but what 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 got you into collecting Han Trench, Aaron? Well, honestly, it's a it's an interesting story from Celebration Five. Um, okay, two thousand ten. For those um, of you know, yeah. Um, I had taken some items to sell down, uh, taken some items down with me to sell, and um, one of the pieces was a tri logo three PO, um, and I ended up trading that to uh, 
Luis and Josefina for a Lily Lady Han Trench, kind of nice. with that burlap, with the burlap, uh, you know, the burlap uh, trench coat. He's kind of like straggly, and I, I said, okay, yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll, I'll trade for that. So, so you trade that for later, a loose, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so later at the uh, convention, I picked up a carded uh, Han Trench from Todd Chamberlain. And, Who we just had on um, the show talking for like half an hour, so there you go. Oh, really? Great. Yeah. Um, and then the last day of celebration, I was sitting with you and Matthias at the hotel lobby bar. And we were drinking those crazy lightsaber drinks. Oh, yeah. That basically... <laughs> I don't know what was in them, but they glowed in the dark. Yes. Um, they were like the color of a highlighter. It was like sugar and alcohol. I think that's what was in there. I think if we could boil yeah. it down to its constituent elements. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Matthias had a Han Trench proof card that night. Um, and it was a, it's a, it's a 79A. And, um, you decided that I should have that. Yes. <laughs> um, you go, you absolutely need this because now, you know, you, you've gotten the, the, the lily lady. You somehow managed to pick up another one for, you know, carded figure. So now you have to have this. And I'm like, Sky, there's, there's, there's no more money left in the till here. We're, we're done. <laughs> it's the last day of celebration and we are, we're done. Um, and, I don't remember the exact way of how it happened, but Matthias basically gave me the card and said, you can pay for it, you know, down the road whenever you get a chance to it. So um, I have blamed my Han trench coat side focus on you since then. So you, you are you are basically solely responsible for this entire um, focus that I have. So, <laughs> Well, good. Yeah, that's I, – I thought that would be nice, having the Han – Han Trench Collector on here when I've been sp spending most most of the podcast as you will hear kind of crapping on Han Trench but the thing is is that I'm such a focus collector that even a character that I don't like that much and a figure I don't like that much when I look at you know I see this picture of your run back in 2012 like it's delightful it's nice seeing the proof card and it's nice seeing the loose versions and mm -hmm. the different things like there's just something about the repetition of the image uh, that kind of that goes on and on now sure. I I know sometimes you like sometimes you have you like because you had a Lando focus as well and then you didn't and then you had a Han trench focus and you didn't what what is your status right now with your Han trench collection? Um, I have been able to get pretty much everything back that I had sold off back and forth from time to time. Um, okay. So I still have. Um, that proof card. I have some other pieces, and, and just they're just you know regular production pieces here and there. Um, but it's a fun figure to track down because you get the differences in the uh, in the lapels, mm -hmm. where where you get the camo lapels, you get the blank lapels, um, you know. And and I should know better which one matches up to which card back, and I I can't keep it straight. But <laughs> it's a fun it's a fun figure. To, because he comes up a lot of times too in the um, on the two packs, right? And there are endless combinations of that. 
so that's and they're super fun to track down. Um, last year, I picked up the a General Mills um, Italian sticker on the back. Oh, nice! And mm-hmm. I I recently moved that on to another uh, another uh, a Han trench coat collector uh, in the last month or so. So that was a fun piece to kind of get uh, last year, kind of when everybody was on quarantine and that. Because just a lot of stuff hasn't popped up lately. So it's fun to get something like that that can, you know, fit it back into the focus. Wait, there's other Han Trench collectors? Who, who is this, Aaron? Um, it was, uh, it's Robert Ells from the oh. Empire Club. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like Robert. Jeez, why do we have Aaron on? Let's hang up. Okay, it's called Robert. Do you have his phone number? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can get you all the... You, you might have more stuff than me even at this point. So, but uh, yeah. Well, he so helps we, so much with the archive a, party. I think if he saw us calling, he'd yeah. get anxious knowing that we've announced yeah. the next archive party. He'd yeah. be like, oh, <laughs> they're going to make me paint. <laughs> yeah. He might be like that first phone call you made and just not answer. Yeah, maybe that was his number. Um, so, so yeah, wait, have you stuff out there? Did you ever sell the proof, or did you always hold on to that? I sold it and then got it back. Oh, that's beautiful! Wow, yeah, yeah. Well, so, so um, you know, uh, are you comfortable with talking about like what you what you bought it for, sold it for, and then bought it back for? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, okay. Like price wise and that. So, yeah, yeah. Just because. So 2010. Yeah. Matthias gives it to you for free. <laughs> yeah, he gives it. So it starts there. I got it for free, but I still right. uh, paid it for him that <laughs> night. And like I knew Matthias and had talked to him, you know, online and that. But I wasn't like, I didn't know him as well as I do now. Um, right. And I was kind of nervous taking it. I'm like, right. I don't know, man. This is this is a proof card. This is something expensive. So. Um, I want to say at the time that I got it that night, it was, uh, three fifty. Yeah. Sounds about right. It does. Pro- yeah. Which is probably a really good deal for a return proof at the time. Uh, and a especially main now. character. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, that, that, that was about right. Like that was, I mean, that was, you weren't getting ripped off. Like there was this dude on eBay right. named, named Castle Diamond who used to sell uh, Revenge of the Jedi proofs all day, every day, and they were like a thousand bucks. And everyone's like, "Oh my God, this guy's such a ripoff." <laughs> of course, you couldn't get him for half that now. But okay, so yeah, that that's a reasonable price. Okay, so then you bought that in two thousand ten, and then when did you yep. sell it? Um, I'm trying to think of the year. I want to say maybe two thousand twelve or thirteen. Just, okay. You know, some life things came up. Um, I, I, I sold, I, I sold it with a few other, um, I didn't sell all of the collection at the time, the, the, the entire focus, but I sold it with some other pieces and I want to say that I got 750 for it. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that um, also makes sense as like a, as you know, doubling in between 2010, 2012 with, with proofs, that also makes sense. Yeah. And then I was able to, um, you know, purchase it again, uh, you know, and, and put one back in my collection. And I want to say I paid about 1500 for it, maybe. Okay. In, wow, it would have been about 2000 14 or 15 maybe 
Wow. And did you buy it to the, from the same person that you sold it to, or did it sh- switch hands again? It, as far as I know, it 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 wasn't from the same person. It it, it kind of like trickled down, and it wow. it had gotten back. Somehow, it, this proof has gotten back to me. So, um, <laughs> you know, I was very fortunate enough to to be able to kind of find it out. It was offered to me, um, and I was kind of in the same thing that. It was like a repeat of, you know, when I first got it, you know, I didn't have the, I'm like, wow, this is more than I want to spend. And it was kind of like, well, spend X amount of dollars now and, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. So, um, I honestly awesome. don't remember who I had gotten it from just because I hadn't kept track of all like, you know, login names and, you know, people's yeah. names and profile things and whatnot yeah. change. Right. But, um, some of that stuff's hard to track down now too, so. But I'm glad I was able to get it back. So yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's, that's one a, of them back. Yeah, that's a, I remember that you sold it, but I didn't know that you ever bought it back. Yeah, because yeah, re- reunited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, was, was able. Yeah, we we always make you tell the the Luke Hoth story, which we're not going to do on this episode. <laughs> you can listen to it before, but that was one of my favorite moments because uh, sometimes I'm good at spending other people's money. And I was like, I, yeah. I really knew that like you would be much happier having that than you would be not having it, you know. So I wasn't like trying to push you around, but I was like, oh, Aaron, you oh, no. really want that? You totally need this. So it's great that it ended up back. So yeah. And for whatever reason, it might just be because Han Trench came at sort of the end of the line. That he seems to be in a ton of two packs, so they're yes. fairly inexpensive. So what's the best um, two you know, pack I've, that you have? I kind of yeah. like the, um, I think my favorite one is probably the Han with Admiral Akbar. Okay. And it's only nice. because, <laughs> it, which makes no sense, but um, my my oldest son, that's his favorite character. And so we have a little like side collection for him that he goes through and we try to get him different pieces at, at Christmas or birthday if we can find one. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a fun piece for Oh, that's awesome. because it kind of connects kind of connects the two of us so yeah wow well that's so that would be my favorite one you see Steve you never know when there's going to be an interesting question I, I wasn't <laughs> I, I didn't really know I was thinking maybe he would say that he has one with an Ewok I'd kind of laugh about Han not liking Ewoks and kind of take it there I wasn't expecting a heartfelt story yeah all right. All right. Well, in that case, if we've never done a proper lightning round, I think it's time to do the Aaron Long. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Lightning round. Yeah. So that's right. Okay. So, what is your favorite bad line of dialogue from a Star Wars movie, Aaron? Oh, wow! I should have known this. Dude, you've listened to like every episode. There's, you've there's been to so every many. live episode. How do you not ready for this? <laughs> Just wasn't. I, I'm ready for the other question. I didn't plan for this one. Okay. <laughs> Why don't we skip this? We'll come back and then I'll. I'll no, no. I'll if you don't get this something. one right, we can't move on. I'm sorry, Aaron. We're gonna have to hang up. <laughs> you don't even get to play the uh. watch game. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll come back to that one later. Uh, okay, okay. So then, what 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 is your grail, Aaron? My grail. Yes. Oh, well, since we're doing Han trench coats, my grail, you know, for that figure would really be like. Like a like a first shot type of figure with with a you know like a pre production type of um, uh, with the, with this trench coat. So right. I know there's some pretty interesting, crazy carded figures out there where he is on 
uh, what is he on the? Isn't he on that Walrus Man card back that doesn't match up? It's like a mock up. Well, I mean, the, that's a great figure. Yep, yeah, and, and the Empress Royal Guard, which we talked about earlier, which is a test for the bubble. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that that makes sense. Yeah, as that. Grill. I mean, that then, would that would be you know a great thing, but like a loose, like a, even a loose first shot with with a you know a pre production uh, trench coat would be would be really something cool to have. Just because it's it's you know you can kind of hold it it's you know that that 3D piece so something you know, like I, that. I would have be. to say that that's that's probably doable as well. This is good, Aaron. I think your yeah. focus is, is coming along. Okay, so we're not going to do the house burning down one, but seeing as we both live okay. uh, on the shores of the Great Lakes, let's imagine that lake <laughs> effect snow gets so great that your entire house is going to be crushed, <laughs> and you can only save one item before. This has already happened a couple times, by the way. Uh, let's you know, pretty, yeah. There's at least one more snowstorm coming, Aaron. We both know that. <laughs> <laughs> there's the Western New York always gives you like the the false spring and then the the soul crushing snow where you're just like it looks like it's February in the middle of May. So we're we're getting ready for that. But uh, so what what would be the one item you'd grab from your collection then? Out of the whole thing for my collection, it would probably be. Um, my unproduced four up. Okay. Of um, it's not a Han item, obviously, but yeah. Um, I have the um, crouching Bespin guard, and that would probably be the one thing that I would probably grab before the roof caved in with eight feet of snow on it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> awesome! Wow. Um, yeah, I guess I guess we should have had him on to talk about that. And well, we really haven't given micros their due, Steve. No, we'll have to circle back and, and yeah. do a, a, Maybe have a like proper... Maybe a, a micro round table with Michael Rob and Aaron and... What the hell? Let's get Adam Levera back on the show. We can do this. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Let's say just micro Rob and Aaron just for, for a couple hours. I think that would be, that'd be a fun show. <laughs> Who's crazier? All right. Um, <laughs> um, okay, then... Uh, all right. If you were an item of vintage Star Wars collectibles, Aaron, which one would you be? Not one would you want to be. Which one would you be? So now this one I did think about. Okay. So, right. um, so it wouldn't be an actual. It's it's an actual. It's a figure. It's a specific figure. Okay. So it and it it's it's got an explanation with it. But if I was going to be a Star Wars item or a character or figure, I think it would be Prune Face. Okay. <laughs> I've thought about this for a long time, so... Okay. The reason but, but being... But the figure, not the character. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, and the reason being is, so, and I've, like, I've thought about this for a long time, because you guys had the show for a long time, so... Yes. Um, in the beginning, not as many people knew me, so people didn't know where I was coming from, or, <laughs> or, or who I was, or like, hey, maybe he's a, maybe he's a bad guy. So right. nobody knew who Prune Face. Nobody knew who Prune Face was. You know, they didn't know if he was one of Jabba's bad guys or he's just this <laughs> this guy just hanging out somewhere or wherever. But in right. the end, after you get to know Prune Face, you realize he's kind of a good guy and he's he's on the rebel side. So right. I kind of think that's how sometimes I'm a, I come across the people that way. So <laughs> I start I off maybe it. on the slow side, work my way up, and then by the end of the celebration or the end of the night. They're like, uh, he's not that bad, so 
He's actually a good guy in the end. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Not one of Jabba's. Not one of Jabba's goons. Exactly. I, I love it. That's that, that's a great that's a great redemption tale. And and I mean, because it's it's interesting, right? And and I can edit this out, Aaron, if if you're uncomfortable with this. But um, like, would you ever want to talk about the T-shirt debacle? Because I don't know if we ever talked about this on the show. Oh yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, yeah. everybody so, knows about it now. So. Well, I don't know if everyone knows about it because this was back in the Rebel Scum days, right? And so back in yeah. the Rebel Scum days, you made very cool Kenner T-shirts, right? Mm-hmm. And then you sold a bunch of them, and then you just took forever to ship them out, right? It did yeah. And, I wore. I had one. I had one made. I wore it to celebration, and I don't remember it was celebration four or five. And right. there was a lot of people who were like, wow, that's really awesome. It was kind of the Kenner blue with the white logo, the black outline. And so I said that, you know, there was a big response to it. Everybody seemed to like it. And I said, I'll get more of them made. Well, getting more than like one of these made wherever I had gotten the original one ended up being a way bigger project than I had ever thought because <laughs> at the time there wasn't, there wasn't like printers online where you could just type in and send them something of right. a picture and it was, you know, there in three days. So I was like, if there was, I didn't know about it. So I was trying to track down um, like local people to do it. Um, one guy didn't think he could do it. It would have been this, that, whatever reason. Another person said they think it was copyrighted. They didn't want to do it. Um so it did take, it took me, it took me from celebration, which was either would have been in like May or if it was the, the one that was later, um, in, in August until like December to get it handled. Right. And, and so you had taken so, the money yeah. for it, which was the issue. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody then, paid me. Um, and then you, know, you weren't like super communicative either. <laughs> right. Like, right, yeah, because I got nervous and I didn't know what to do at that point. Um, I got kind of worried. I'm like, wow, I, yeah. everybody paid me for these T-shirts. I wasn't making a profit on them. I was selling them for whatever the, you know the cost was. It was like, I don't know, 10 or 12 bucks to have these T-shirts made. Maybe it was something like that. And I, I kind of just panicked and I didn't know what to do. Um, and uh, the, the so that, the, that, that's what yeah. happened, yeah. Like, the reason I like telling this story is that the kind of prune face thing, you know, because at the time, the pitchforks were out, everyone was talking about Aaron's oh, yeah. scammer and all that, and, you know, and, and I don't think I was alone, but I, I know I was one of the first people, I just said, Aaron's, I don't know what the hell, I don't know what the Ford is going on right now, but <laughs> I know it's going to be okay, I will pay, I will pay you guys back if he doesn't pay you. Like, I was so confident that you were going to get your act together that I did that, and like recently Michael Havens was made fun of for doing the same thing for that guy who ended up being a scammer or whatever but like I never made fun of him for that there's a lot of reasons to sort of laugh at him but like you know like it would have been to me it would have mm -hmm. been like there's it was impossible like the world in which you were a scammer was such a bad world for me that losing a hundred dollars wouldn't have mattered or losing three hundred dollars wouldn't have mattered because I would have been so crushed <laughs> And, and, you know, because like we knew each other and, you know, like, and so sure. it was awesome. And I just, I think that when people get their pitchforks out, I think it's good to remember, remember Aaron Longbine in 2000 and <laughs> whatever, 12, whatever it was. 
and he got in over his head and you know you just should have sent an email or whatever that that would have solved everything but you know everyone got their shirts and everything worked out right yeah yeah um you know the shirts i ended up finding a local printer to to do them um you know at this at the same price i was able to get them all sent shipped out um you know if, if anybody that didn't want one at that point because it had taken so long even though i had gotten them done um they were refunded um a, a few of the people that were actually like really upset um i i i hashed it out with them and we're we're friends um and we've actually made deals on other items that you know um so there's been uh you know there's been no problems and i think that I've talked with them at different celebrations and I would consider those people friends and hopefully they would do, you know, the same, the same on my end. So, you know, something can always get, it can always get fixed, you know, for yeah. the most part. Um, you know, it just, uh, it takes, it takes a little time and a little work and, uh, you know, go from there with it. Don't, don't be the bad prune face. <laughs> I don't know. So just is, Steve, that's that's a story worth keeping in the show, right? I think so. Yeah, I, I yeah. somehow missed missed all that happening. I, I oh, you did? I, don't know. I did. Yeah. I mean, because I, I knew Aaron at that point, and we were all friends. I just, I guess, I maybe that was like when I was working on my masters or something, and just wasn't on. I just wasn't on Rebel Scum yeah. for a while. But um, yeah, no, that's that's a good. I think it's a good thing to bring up. I want to think <laughs> that was probably. I think I wore that shirt at like 2010, um, which would have been Celebration Five. Right. And then, yeah. um, you know, it took me because I don't think I remember that from Celebration Four. It would have been Celebration Five, and then, you know, we got that that handled. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I, Mike I Reader, Mike Reader still has his shirt, I believe. <laughs> I, I believe it. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing is that like. If you mess up, how do you like? How do you handle it, right? Like, I mean, the thing you didn't do is communicate, so that's fine. But everything else right. you did right, like you made it right, you yeah. offered refunds, you accepted responsibility. When I brought it up, you said, "Yeah, sure, let's talk about it." Like too often, when people do stuff that's shady, or like not cool, like they get defensive, and then it just gets a thousand yeah. times worse. And it's like. It's like, oh yeah, I screwed up. I didn't know how right. to make the shirts. I took the money. I didn't know how to make the shirts. Oops, you know. And then like you made it right. And then if people talk to you about it, you go, oops. And I don't know. There's yeah. there's some kind of lesson in there to people. Sure, and you know, I I think like, you know, it, it kind of snowballed a little bit. Like you said, I was probably in over my head because I had never done anything like that before. Um, you know, with with making you know, a shirt. Now everybody does swag and buttons and pins and shirts. And yeah, it's yes. so much easier. It was, a you know, but that, that was something yeah. I had. Yeah. I, I hadn't done anything like that before. And then, you know, some of the people that, you know, ordered one and whatnot, um, that was kind of like their forte. Like, you know, they, they were, they, they knew how to do that. They were, they were savvy on the internet. They were, they were good with printing and things like that. And I was like, Whoa, I'm like, I can't even get, you know, six letters put on a t-shirt something's wrong here <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah. you know so it, it just struck me and then i kind of just kind of like i don't know what to do and i got overwhelmed and then but i i appreciate that you know you 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 took the time and said listen now you know aaron aaron will make this right you know and i appreciate that uh 
you know, from that time. And it was a, it was a weird time too. I think in life in general, just, there was just so many things going on and, but it, it, in the end it worked out. And like I yeah, said, I think everybody didn't respond to me either. I was reaching out to you like, Hey Aaron, just so you know, I'm, I'm uh, offering to cover for it. Hello. Hello. Aaron. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, that's why we make friends in the hobby. Right. Because there's, sure. you know, it's not just acquaintances, it's actual friendships. So, you know, I yeah, think absolutely. if I went through another cowboy phase, you guys would stay behind. Okay. Me. In that case, let's come back to what is your favorite bad line from a Star Wars movie, Aaron? Alright. So I, I have one. It, it's a line. So it drives me nuts every time I watch Star Wars <laughs> when they say the Death Star will be re- in range in X number of minutes. And then they say it again <laughs> the Death Star will be ranged in 15 minutes. <laughs> what do you mean? It's this huge battle station. You got, and it, you guys can't get it around this planet somehow it's like if they yeah. get that slow <laughs> yeah. what do you mean it's, it's going to be in range in 30 minutes yeah. <laughs> get over there and blow up the base <laughs> how did you get there in the first place yeah exactly that's what i mean it's like this, this isn't golf the you know, falcon had to go 400 yard hit and then white put speed. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's just there it's like well it's going to be another half hour guys sorry <laughs> It's all in the detail uh, work. I can't watch. I can't watch that. <laughs> Measure it twice, cut once. That's what we say in the Empire. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, then let, let's good. let's have our uh, let's have our uh, our um, our market watch game. If you're ready, Aaron. One dollar flicks. Market watch. Because, uh, I'm ready. Yeah. Okay, we're hitting the, right. the home stretch here, you guys. Yeah, hitting the home stretch here. Right, yeah. So then, uh, obviously, whoever whoever wins this uh, has to buy the other. Whatever, which, no matter what kind of novelty drink they are is made for the next celebration, <laughs> we owe that novelty drink at the hotel bar to okay. the other. Yes, okay. that's, that's oh my the goodness. Perfect, perfect stakes. Okay, so I've got five Han Trench items. Um, so here we go. Item number one is a uh, just a standard Return of the Jedi 77 back Han Trench offerless. Uh, it's not graded, but it's unpunched and in pretty good shape. The bubble looks pretty clear. So okay. let's lead off with that. What do you think, Sky? I'm going to say like the back 77. $77. Okay. And Aaron, what do you think? I'm going to go go higher than that. I'm going to go 129. All right, well, point to Aaron, but this thing was at $269. Wow. Yeah. Not graded? Yeah. Not graded. Not graded, but the bubble is clear. I feel like that's that's the the kicker with this one. So yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. Oh, okay. Somebody got yeah. crazy with the clear bubble. Yep. Yep. Well, that's not fair because I wasn't paying attention when you said that. Okay, <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you, you still have time to recover, Sky. Okay. So item number two, uh, another thing we were just talking about a few minutes ago, or Aaron had mentioned is something he's after. It's a Trilogo Han Trench. Uh, this one is also in, in pretty nice shape. It's also unpunched, but it's not graded. So ungraded Trilogo hmm. Han Trench. <sighs> all right sky all right 
I am going to say $302. Okay. And Aaron, what do you think? It's not how is the bubble on it? So the the it's bubble so looks it looks pretty good. It's not it's not super roughed up. Um it looks to be in, in decent shape. I'll it's go, got a K, KB sticker on it as well. I don't know if that really matters, but just to... <laughs> I'll go five forty. Five forty. All right. Bargain at two hundred and forty five. It's a point to sky. Wow. <laughs> All right, yes. we're tied, tied at one here. Okay. Wow. Wait, so it was more to for a, to me. It's yeah. more it, for a seventy seven than for a it, trilogo? It was more for a clear seventy seven than for the trilogo. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Not not much, but it definitely it definitely was. So yeah. Okay. So now you you're starting to kind of see what the 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 forecast is here. <laughs> Next up is a uh, carded Power of the Force Han Trench. This one is graded AFA 80. So, um, yeah, AFA 80, the, the bubble is not horribly yellow, but it's definitely yellow. Um, and it's got, yeah, it's the Power of the Force with the coin. What do you think? <laughs> Sky. Okay. I'm going to say 100. 100? Yep. Okay. All right, Aaron, what do you think? I'll go fourteen fifty. Fourteen fifty. Eight hundred and ninety-five. <laughs> so you 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 get the point, but yeah, it, it was uh <laughs> You were way off. <laughs> so if anybody wants to sell anything, contact me because I'm apparently paying <laughs> double of whatever yeah. thing you're going there for. <laughs> Yeah, eight hundred ninety-five. So yeah, it's it's up there. I mean, that's oh, yeah. eight hundred ninety-five for a Power of the Force Han Trench. Yes, yes. I thought they were just going for way more. I'm starting <laughs> to think that uh, collectibles are going up in value. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. We're in the the uh, fourth inning here. We've got okay. a Power of the Okay. On that same theme, this is just for the coin itself. Um, so this is the, the the standard, not the Air Han Solo, but it's just the regular Han Trench, mm -hmm. Han Solo Rebel Power of the Force coin. What do you think? Jesus Christ. <laughs> what category is it, Steve? I think it's a Category 2. Oh, Category 2. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to say 50. 50, okay. Aaron, what do you think? Oh. Oh, I, I don't collect coins really at all, and don't follow them. So, okay. I'll say, since I've been super high on everything else, <laughs> I'll go thirty-eight dollars. Thirty-eight. Point to sky. Seventy-five. Oh my God! It's actually tied. <laughs> it's tied. Going into the, the actually <laughs> tied. The fifth inning Imagine here. That. The, the, the one, uh, the one to, sudden death. I gotta go that hole on this one. This is it. Okay. Right. So uh, the last item. That was that was a low blow. That was a low hockey blow, Steve. You missed it. <laughs> I just I just got ironed into Psycho Doogie by comparing myself to the Dallas Stars. You, you understand, Steve? Because you don't follow hockey. I don't. Yeah, I'm you not see, a hockey. The, yeah. the Dallas Stars won the Stanley Cup because the Buffalo Sabers weren't good enough. All right. So. Right. Can you hear Psycho Doogie coming? The, yeah, I can hear it. I can hear it. All right, the last item. This is for Red the whole Hulk. thing. Red Hulk cheated. 
the last item is okay. a Lily Letty card back. So just the card back. And what uh, what I love about this, this is going to be kind of an odd an odd thing, but um, a we talked about how the Han Trench figure was way too tall for the Letty card back. So you can see that when they whenever they rip the bubble off this thing, that it completely overshoots the entire nameplate. <laughs> so you can tell that the the bubble is way too big. Um, anyway, so this is oh. just just the card back itself. Yeah. Now, what do you think? This is one that uh, I don't know what the final price is, but what do you think? Because it was a best offer accepted, but what do you think the list price for this was that was negotiated down oh. from? <laughs> Trick question. <laughs> what do wow. you think the, the list price for this Lily Letty card back was? For a Lily All right, Lily Letty card back. I don't even. All right, I am going to say two seventy-five. Two seventy-five, okay. And what do you think? Well, since I apparently like to waste my money, I'll go <laughs> higher than that and go. But what what it was listed at? Yeah. So, what do you think that the the like the listing price was that a best offer was was negotiated down from? <sighs> Six ninety nine. Six ninety nine. Ooh, Sky, you were very close. Two hundred and seventy nine ninety nine. Oh. oh, you owe me a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> nice. But see, you know that that was a well, you know, highly contested. That you guys were neck and neck the whole way through. So very, very <laughs> good. Probably the closest the game's ever been. I think so. You, most of the time, Sky. <laughs> yeah, you're going for the the winner take all. I wasn't all even the last close round. though. <laughs> Well, it, it's I, I've seen some crazy stuff with with the Lily Letty, um, you know, whether it's a card back or, or the figures. So yeah, I, I yeah yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't beat yourself up too the much. Trick, I think. The trick question threw me off because I yeah. figured that somebody Someone would put just a crazy high some ridiculous yeah. amount because I know some of those things go for just crazy money. Yeah, and. Um, I just figured somebody would post it high and then maybe jump at something, you know, low. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, well done. Uh, <laughs> well, well done. But, but we'll do our uh, fantasy baseball recap now that you're here. Um, Aaron <laughs> oh, is currently yeah. in sixth. Uh, I am in 12th. And Je and uh, Steve is in 11th. So well, I am wow. below Steve. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. I'm so happy we were able to have you on here yes. for a, a surprisingly yeah, heartwarming. Yeah, thank you for having and, me uh, so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, and we'll we'll see you at uh, at the next celebration at the very latest. Right, thanks, Aaron. All right, great. Yeah, thanks, right. guys. Thanks for having have me. Have a good night. Bye bye. All right, I can I can see see the home plate here. <laughs> yes, we, we're definitely making it. So yeah. awesome, Steve. Well. Um, yeah, that that was just a really a really fun episode. I don't know, it was really nice talking to Todd. It was really nice talking to Aaron. Like, I feel like I learned a lot. I feel like I had a, a yeah. highs and lows, and, and it was yeah, great. Things uh, tied together in, in planned ways and and unplanned ways. So yeah, and uh, hey, you know, you're gonna be excited that the next figure, um, you know, Nasty Latara is gonna be coming because uh, she's gonna be coming after Tebow. Tebow's uh. He's up next. It's the next yeah. figure? Yep. Tebow. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my nicknames for my dog, Toby. I call him Tebow sometimes. And I people like think that. that I call him that because of, uh, because of you know, Tim Tebow. But no, I call him that because <laughs> of Tebow the Ewok. 
All right, cool. Well, then, um, I guess we'll have to wait till next month to interview the Basement Bounty Hunters. But I, I actually like Todd's idea. We just need to just keep interviewing people. History who, history series, yeah. yeah. Just do more history because, uh, you know, that's what I want to do. That's what you want to do. So there you yeah. go. Yep. All right, cool. Uh, Wampa Wampa. Adios. Any action figures are not yet available, but this Star Wars early bird certificate package is in stores with its colorful Star Wars picture display set and certificate.